I'm Afshin Ratansi and welcome back to Going Underground, broadcasting all around the world from the host of the UN Climate Change Conference, COP28, Dubai in the UAE. It's no secret climate change disproportionately affects the poor despite being ignited by the rich. But if everyone has the right to a healthy environment, will there be heated debate throughout the next fortnight about the use of carbon-emitting military attacks to slaughter thousands of children, as we've seen in this region in the past few weeks, facilitated by COP28 attendees, the USA, UK and EU? Well, who better to go to than the first ever UN Special Rapporteur on Climate Change and Human Rights, Dr. Ian Fry, who of course joins me from here in Dubai. Thank you so much, Special Rapporteur, for uh, uh, coming on. So for four days in, just remind us how critical it is, this uh, COP28, and how you, under your Special Rapporteurship, you've directly linked climate to human rights and how climate transformation will hurt the poorest in the world uh, if... Uh, nothing's done about it. Well, yes, this is a critical issue. I mean, climate change represents the, one of the most serious threats to humanity that we've ever faced. And, it, and it, it's, uh, you know, it's already causing harm to many hundreds of thousands of people. Their, their rights to water, food, shelter are all being affected uh, by the impacts of climate change. And yet, uh, of course, we have the richest in the world say the Washington Post owner Amazon's Jeff Bezos, talking green like other oligarchs, but with a half a billion dollar yacht that needs super tankers for docking and emits 7,000 tonnes of carbon a year, Oxfam reporting that just 12 billionaires, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, Dell, Musk, Abramovich, they use the same as 2.1 million homes in terms of carbon emissions, equivalent to 4.6 coal, coal plants uh, just every year. Isn't uh, it really the gap between rich and poor here that's uh, in question? Uh, yes, it's critical. You know, we, we have a huge imbalance in, in the, the amount of people who use greenhouse gases. And of course, the, you know, the rich countries and, and the millionaires are using up far greater emissions than, than the poorest people. And do you think that they're going to pay... Uh, for the poorest uh, people at this COP28 summit? Well, I don't think they'll get a pay for it at this COP, but I think inevitably they're going to have to to pay somehow. And I think this is part of the discussions we're having during this COP summit around this loss and damage fund. Uh, it, it's clear that we need you know, a, a fund that will draw from uh, you know, rich people, uh, from corporations that are producing greenhouse gases, and to pay for the harm that they're causing to to poor communities. And yet, we'll presumably see a lot of greenwashing. I mean, it's these oligarchs that always talk about how good they are for the environment. I know that in your presentation to the UN Secretary General of the General Assembly, you have a whole uh, section on greenwashing and climate washing. What is the danger uh, at COP28 of these big uh, multinational companies uh, using the summit to make out they are uh, they care about the environment. Yes, well, this is always the great fear of of this sort of meeting. You know, people coming together to make it sound like they're doing the right thing, but clearly we're quite concerned about the issue of greenwashing and you know saying the right thing but not actually doing the right thing. And this is you know a serious problem. We have large corporations producing lots of greenhouse gases and and they should be responsible for the impacts they're causing. Historically, we uh, now know it's been exposed 
how there's been uh, secret lobbying by huge fossil fuel companies to prevent ordinary people understanding the depths of the climate crisis. Anthony Blinken is here for COP, representing the United States. When he was here in the Middle East the other day, it seems like, he was urging more oil production. Uh, Saudi Arabia, he was saying, come on, you've got to start producing more oil. And Saudi Arabia said no. Rishi Sunak from Britain, uh, presumably here as well in Dubai, he's on the record for saying we need to max out North Sea fossil fuel drilling. It's, uh, it's unusual, this COP, isn't it? Because now we have on the record statements, as opposed to last time round, from these NATO nation leaders explaining how they want more fossil fuel emissions. Yes, and it seems contradictory to the whole purpose of this uh, climate change COP that they're asking for more production of fossil fuels. Uh, you know, when we're you know in serious need of all countries to reduce their reliance on fossil fuels. We're not on track to meeting the Paris goal of 1.5 degrees Celsius, and we all need to drastically reduce our reliance on fossil fuels. So it, it is a problem that these world leaders are coming to the summit and not taking the issue seriously enough. I mean, it's clear that uh, it's useful to have a uh, big uh, party or big meeting. I don't know what the emissions of COP28 are, but there won't be any mention, will there, about evidence that Biden attacked the Nord Stream pipeline supplying Germany, resulting in the largest man-made methane emission event in all human history. And now, of course, Texan LNG, fracked in Texas, is now appearing on the shores of Western Europe since, the la since COP27. Well, I, I, I can't comment on the North Sea shore. Oil, but know, isn't that the problem? If you're the special rapporteur I mean, and you can't comment on Nord Stream, I know we have to wait for the investigation that's ongoing. Isn't yes, that well, the problem? That's the point. I, you know, there hasn't been you know conclusive evidence of this who who caused that that uh, explosion. So uh, it's difficult for me to comment on that until there's a proper investigation of that. Yeah, but I mean, at a meeting like this. Are military emissions even going to be talked about? Uh, according to uh, the Cost of War Project, $716 million Pentagon budget equates to 51 million tonnes of uh, CO2, more than most uh, countries. Uh, the uh, emissions from the United States, uh, well, the militaries of the world is larger than just the CO2 emissions from Russia. I mean, is the military going to be up for debate at COP28, or does no one really care about these secretive emissions that are uh, clearly there and more important than uh, the IPCC ever seems to understand? Yes, well, I, I mean, it is a concern that the military across the globe is, is uh, you know, creating significant greenhouse gas emissions. And uh, I was in discussions with some civil society organisations today expressing concern about this actual issue of you know the emissions from the military across the globe having you know seemingly unaccountable for their emissions and this is a grave concern i mean clearly uh, you you signed a, a letter opposing the policy of nato nations as regards gaza which this whole region and the whole global south is focused on the alleged gaza genocide 
why is it that you, uh, as part of your remit, presumably, opposing emissions of all these warplanes from Israel and uh, armed by the UK, US and EU nations, bombing and killing thousands of children in Gaza, there are emissions and there are human rights there. Uh, some sort of hypocrisy also to not call for a ceasefire while also saying one's green at COP28 this year? Well, I mean, I, I jointly signed a letter very early on in, the, in the, the, the hostilities for a cessation on both sides, particularly because of the human rights abuses that both sides uh, are, you know, uh, perpetrating in this, in this, uh, this war. So it, it's, a, it's a serious concern. And of course, you know, in, in all, all the, uh, you know, the, the wars that we're seeing going on at the moment, there are a lot of greenhouse gas emissions associated with those. And, and this is one of the you know, consequences of war, whereas it produces a lot of greenhouse gas emissions and the military doesn't seem to be accountable for those. And Joe Biden signed a blank check for it. Do you think your letter that you so co-signed means that's the reason why Joe Biden, after appearing at previous COPs, hasn't bothered to turn up in Dubai this year? Well, I, I I can't answer for why he's not sure. here or not. You know, uh, uh, um, but it, you know it's, cert it's certainly an issue. You know that one of the biggest greenhouse gas producers in the world is not you know represented by the head of state. Do you have any idea why he didn't bother to turn up? No, I I I had no idea uh, why. He decided not to turn up. I mean, clearly the whole international community against European Union, Britain and the United States supports a ceasefire in Gaza. You know that uh, the letter you and other special rapporteurs signed claimed that uh, civilians uh, were being uh, targeted, I think. I mean, Israel said that they're not being targeted. Well, I, you know, my, my concern was the human rights violations from both sides. You know, we people have been killed on both sides, you know, in Israel and Gaza, and that was our concern, that, you know, we were calling for a cessation of hostilities. So it, it's, uh, you know, we, we think this is... But that's a, a ceasefire, a right? Issue. You were calling that, for a ceasefire? Yes. Which... which by, uh, both, by both sides. Yeah, which the United States absolutely has not called for nor has any, uh, perhaps Spain and Ireland, uh, Western European uh, uh, country. I mean, what do you th make of Biden sending his energy, oil and gas advisor to Israel amid the alleged genocide, Amos Hochstein, while thousands of children were being slaughtered in Gaza, he sends his uh, energy, I mean, I don't know whether that's a climate advisor, he's an oil and gas advisor, former Texas energy man, to... Uh, to the Middle East, to, to Israel. Uh, is there an energy climate aspect to Gaza? My concern is the sort of broader issue of climate change impacts globally and, and the amount of emissions that are, that are being produced by industry across the globe. And I, I, I prefer not to sort of narrow it down to a Gaza situation because that, you know there are much greater emissions occurring outside of that region and so that's why I'm here to talk about the global problem of climate change and, and trying to get all countries to reduce their greenhouse gases. But clearly, if you're sending 
massive aircraft carriers into South China Sea. You're sending billions of dollars worth of weapons into Ukraine. You're sending uh, billions of dollars of weapons to Israel. Uh, I mean, clearly, there are environmental concerns whilst we hear uh, sweet words from Antony Blinken's mouth in Dubai. Yes, but, uh, you know, as I was saying, I, I mean, I, I would prefer not to just narrow it down to this issue because, you know, even before these hostilities created, we still had enormous amount of emissions being occurred by major economies across the globe. And this is my concern is, is you know, how to address this issue of the major economies across the globe. And that, that includes China, Russia, the United States, United Kingdom, Kingdom, European Union, are all producing greenhouse gases that are, uh, you know, a concern, and uh, and these are unabated, and we need to, you know, pull in these emissions because we can see people across the globe suffering as a consequence. We only have to look at the floods that have just occurred in South Sudan, uh, you know, the long drought of the people who lived in Somalia, you know, been living in Somalia and now suffering droughts. Uh, large floods, you know, there's a common trend around the globe that we see these long periods of drought where people are dying as a consequence of climate change and then suffering floods. So this is a global concern that I'm worried about and um, it's affecting people across the globe. UN Special Rapporteur, I'll stop you there. More from the UN Special Rapporteur on climate change and human rights after this break. Welcome back to Going Underground. I'm still here with the UN Special Rapporteur on Climate Change and Human Rights, Dr. Ian Fry. Special Rapporteur, we were talking about uh, militarism and the fact that it is not just militarism, obviously, that's uh, the context of uh, climate negotiations here in uh, Dubai for COP28. You did say that Ukraine was complicating things. Why, why was the, the conflict in Ukraine complicating environmental measures? Well, I'm, I'm not sure I've ever said that. Uh, I mean, clearly there are, you know, issues and conflicts across the globe that are, you know, uh, are serious issues and, you know, there are emissions associated with those, but there are a lot of other sources of emissions as well. Of course, of course. And uh, I, I should actually ask you about recent trends in uh, uh, what's happening in the world that weren't happening in COP27, arguably. What have you made of scientific literature that says plant adaptation to climate change is a reason for optimism and that the climate modelling uh, was uh, not expecting how quickly plants seem to be able to adapt to the uh, warming climate and also new research on atmospheric heat. Do you think some of the modelling will have to change and give us a few more years than the uh, seemingly apocalyptic uh, forecasts being made last time? Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced by that. I mean, there's certainly, you know, uh, plants are growing quicker and absorbing more carbon dioxide, but for how long they can hold on to that carbon dioxide is an issue. And there's other research which suggests that because of the higher temperatures, plants are respiring more and producing more carbon dioxide. So there, there are certain serious issues still, and, and it's particularly you know, the issue of the absorption of carbon dioxide in the oceans, which is causing 
uh, oceans to warm up and you know we're seeing more severe weather events so i don't think we're seeing any sort of lessening of the climate change issue uh, it, it seems to be getting worse and we're experiencing you know uh, more severe events and in fact just last month it was the highest average temperature across the globe that has ever been recorded in history and that that was you know on average across the globe two degrees above uh pre-industrial levels so we've already you know for so not not time, not in history then obviously yeah you know you know in human history yes you know in recorded history since since uh, since records began I mean, this has always been a problem from those who doubted that the climate was changing until the ice core data, wasn't it? Because if you just say, gosh, this was the hottest year on record in terms of the history of the world, clearly it doesn't, doesn't actually uh, mean that much. Well, I mean, it, you know, records do go back quite a long way. No, they go so back only like a tiny percentage of the, uh, the uh, history of the Earth. Yes, but as far as, you know, it, it's clear that, you know, since the Industrial Revolution, the, the amount of carbon dioxide has increased in the atmosphere and global temperatures have increased quite dramatically. And this is unprecedented. Well, obviously, uh, world leaders in Western Europe and the United States don't share your pessimism as they uh, seek the ever uh, increasing amounts of drilling for fossil fuels and exploitation of resources. And not only that, people who think like you do, Special uh, Rapporteur, are uh, beaten up and arrested and given ever longer sentences. What have you made, given uh, you are Special Rapporteur for the environment and for human rights? What has been happening, say, in Britain to the Just Up Oil protesters, uh, getting incredibly long sentences for their activism? What is going on in Western Europe as regards people who are as concerned as you are about the environment? Yes, in fact, I wrote to the uh, UK government about this issue, uh, expressing my concern about the sentences levelled at these uh, climate change protesters. You know, it affects, you know, it, it, it set, sets a sort of chilling, you know, a response that we're seeing a clampdown on the right to protest. And uh, I, I was quite concerned about that. And in fact, you know, I wrote a letter, you know, uh, two months ago to the UK government. I have not had a response. And this is quite disturbing that, uh, you know, the, the right to protest against climate change is being clamped down on. And people, uh, you know, have the right to express concern about their future, particularly young people, you know, because there is a concern about uh, the future of young people and they, they should be have the right to protest. Wait, so as Antonio Guterres spells out uh, issues very clearly that are cared about passionately by these young protesters in Western European capitals, including London, the British government, no one from the British government, Rishi Sunak's government, has replied to a UN special rapporteur on the environment when you were expressing concerns about freedom of expression. Yeah, and this, this is the concern that there seems to be uh, an issue that the UK government is ignoring these expressions of concern. And, and it, it, it's troubling that, you know, people don't have the right to protest, and particularly around climate change, because it is such a serious issue. Maybe you can collar him 
here in uh, here in Dubai. But uh, do you expect that will actually uh, that um, ominous? Uh, sign of uh, clampdowns on freedom of expression and those protesting for the environment is a sign of the times as these countries arguably reverse previous climate commitments? Yeah, it's a, it's a worrying trend across the globe that we're seeing a clampdown on, on people expressing their right to, to protest against inaction on climate change. And it, it is a worrying trend across the globe. And you expect... Uh, burgeoning environmental litigation to prevent democratically elected governments from legislating in effect for the environment and protecting the planet? Well, I, I you know, I did a, a review of current litigation, uh, you know, and that was my report to the UN General Assembly uh, in October, sort of looking at the trends. And I, I think uh, there will be a growing amount of litigation against corporations from from across the globe for their inaction on, on and counter litigation. Climate. Sorry, and counter litigation by those yes, multi-billion-dollar corporations. We're, we're seeing what's called these slap suits, you know, where counter litigation is applied to people who are, you know, protesting against uh, climate change action and taking litigation. So we're seeing also these counter lit litigation issues as well. So what, what can be done, given that they clearly have, uh, have the ear of some parts of the uh, NATO nation mainstream so-called media when it comes to the environment? They're going to litigate against democratically accountable governments trying to help the uh, climate. I mean, uh, can something be done to uh, break these global energy companies? Because it's clear what they want, isn't it? Well, you know, I, I think, you know, they've just got to be held accountable. And, and what we're seeing is we're, we're seeing litigation move from, you know, uh, uh, you know, cases against governments to cases against corporations. And, you know, more recently, we're seeing uh, litigation against uh, corporate boards. And I think this is where they'll start to get nervous if actually board members are, are you know, brought before courts and held accountable for the actions of their companies and, you know, the missions and harm that they're doing. I mean, you've seen what's happened to whistleblowers and those trying to publish uh, secret uh, memos within big US corporations about uh, the strategies of uh, these uh, multi-billion dollar outfits trying to prevent COP28 style uh, changes. I mean, it's getting worse, isn't it? It's not getting better. No, uh, yeah, it's it's it is getting worse, and this is the problem that we're we're seeing this as a resistance by major corporations to taking strong action. I mean, there there has been moves by the Biden administration to develop environmental and social governance rules, and the European Union are bringing in those, and that they they are you know potentially positive steps towards making corporations more accountable for their activities but we'll, this remains to be seen whether they will properly report on their what they're doing and what impacts that their actions are having you probably get a big mailbag already but so people can write to you if they feel their human rights are threatened because of their concern with the uh, issues raised at COP28 in the corporations they work in anywhere in the world? Yeah, 
Yes, and in fact, uh, you know, my next report to the Human Rights Council will be around, uh, you know, corporate accountability, and I put out a call for people to to write to my write to me to uh, you know express. Uh, you know, give me evidence of where corporations are affecting their rights, you know, in the context of climate change. I know you made headlines in the Philippines about the uh, law against uh, communists in uh, in the Philippines on your recent visit. A lot of news amidst the COP28 conference, whilst, of course, Gaza focuses the minds of, the, of this region. Given an Israeli minister said Israel should start using nuclear weapons in Gaza, do you not think the environmental threat now, most pressing one, is the threat of nuclear war, not the threat of CO2 and methane? No, I, I you know, while obviously nuclear weapons is a, is a grave threat that it's been around for a long time, I think the greatest threat is climate change and, and the lack of action of dealing with climate change because it's going to have a long-term you know, consequences, you know, ecological uh, and and human impacts. So but will the poor I, face I, all the all the challenges, and the rich will have bunkers to live in and their yachts, and the poor will be told to recycle a little bit more? And you were in the Philippines. I mean, the poor of the Philippines will uh, have an even tougher time, while new American four new American bases will be built at enormous environmental cost. Well, uh, you know, it's not just U.S. bases that are being built. You know, we're seeing military build-ups uh, across the globe. So the, the, these are, issue, you know, global issues. But, you know, particularly the growth in the, you know, use of fossil fuels across the world is, is, is a serious concern. And we, we have to deal with those issues. And while I was in the Philippines, you know, there were uh, serious concerns about these strategic minerals that are being developed for renewable energy technologies. These are like lithium cobalt and all these other, uh, you know, what's called strategic minerals. And, and that, you know, the, this is a concern that there are human rights implications from mining these so-called strategic minerals uh, to meet this sort of whole new renewable energy economy. And so, you know, what we're seeing is a sort of competition um, you know, the, the Biden administration in collaboration with the UK government have sort of set up a strategic minerals initiative, and that's in competition with China to access these minerals. So we're seeing a sort of, you know, a gold rush, you know, for these strategic minerals. And as a consequence, you know, uh, poorer communities are not getting a say. They're not. And, you know, I've spoken with Indigenous peoples about this whole issue of free prior informed consent on their land before these mining companies move in and, and uh, destroy their, their lands, their ancestral lands. UN Special Rapporteur, Dr Ian Fry, thank you. Thank you. And that's it for the show. COP28 runs for another two weeks here in Dubai. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Saturday. Until then, keep in touch via all our social media. If it's not censored in your country, and head to our channel, Going Underground TV on Rumble.com to watch new and old episodes of Going Underground. See you on Saturday.